0: Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com/4keys. Use the number 4, K E Y S. That's unmistakablecreative.com/4keys and download your free copy.
1: I'm Srinī Rao and this is the Unmistakable Creative podcast where I speak with creative entrepreneurs, artists and other insanely interesting people to hear their stories. Learn about their molding moments, tipping points, and spectacular takeoffs.
2: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
1: In this episode of The Unmistakable Creative, I speak with Nick Onken. Nick's journey began at the crossroads of art and technology with his work in desktop publishing and design. Upon discovering his passion for a more hands-on means of expression, he eventually chose to take the entrepreneurial leap into the world of digital photography. Listen in on our conversation about the difference between living in your head and living in your heart. Hey Nick, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. So, you know, I came across you by way of uh, our mutual friend Amber Ray, and I figured if she referred you, uh, that spoke volumes uh, to me because I, you know, I trusted her judgment when it came to that, and she always seems to have good judgment. She was spectacular as a guest. Uh, so, tell us a, a bit about yourself, your background, your story, and, and how that has led you to uh, what you're up to today.
3: Yeah, so I've I've always kind of been a creative at. Um, at heart, and I was found myself drawing and, and painting and different things from a younger age but and I always kind of pursued the arts and then in high school I, I started to that was when desktop publishing, if that 's what you want to call it, the previous stages of graphic design in the digital age, came about. And started getting getting interested in that, and I still did some art classes. I did the advanced placement stuff, but really getting into graphic design and and typography, and and how art and and technology kind of integrated together. And that that was kind of start the path that I started taking. And then I ended up going to school for graphic design um, in in college, and did that for a couple of years, and, and ended up getting a uh, job um, doing design it was kind of an internship right out of actually kind of through college, which let me um, jump into that and start kind of exploring that on a on a i guess a higher level than just school was and once i once i got into that um I started putting school to the wayside a little bit and cuz I was learning more at my job mm-hmm. I was learning more just like through the self exploration and playing around in photoshop and illustrator well freehand back in those days um but that 's where I really started uh, my artistic journey and then i w- i was a i I was doing design for like three or four years. I got a design job doing book covers for a small publishing company out of Seattle where i was from where 'm from and really just was working that for a couple of years decided to go freelance and take that jump into working for myself, which is we all know is like, especially creative entrepreneurs, that's the biggest jump to take. Mm -hmm. And luckily I was, I mean, I was living in Seattle and my, uh, my expenses were really low. Uh, and one of those things that it's, it's the sacrifice of, of living a, I guess, luxurious life that you sacrifice for being a creative and, and, working through that journey. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's my, those are my beginnings. And then I, there was a, there was a point where digital started becoming digital photography started coming on the forefront and I picked up a digital camera to like shoot stuff for my design work, just to integrate into the design and, and create content and and do those types of things. And, and I, that from there, I started enjoying it a little bit more, threw some stuff up on my design website, and then ended up convincing a a uh, design client of mine, their nonprofit, to split the expenses on a trip to africa mm-hmm. and That was kind of where my eyes really opened up to the world of photography, but I never really never really thought about it. My friend had just gotten back from a trip where he was an IT guy and he, he's like, I just went to Africa and I like, I set up this network for them and I got to travel and I got to give my, you know, give back. And I was like, wow, I really want to do that. But design doesn't really l- lend towards that. And then I came up with the idea to, to shoot a photography library mm-hmm. for this client. And then I pitched it to them. They're like, oh yeah, that sounds great. And I was like, really? Oh yeah. I mean, totally let's do this. (laughs) Um, and so we jumped off and I set up this two month trip and a month in Africa, four countries, uh, went to Zimbabwe, Uganda, Kenya, and Burundi. And a lot of it was just like going out there and, and going for it. You know, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I look back on that trip now and I was like, Oh man, what was I thinking? (laughs) And, uh, I got back and I got a lot of great images the uh the client was happy and i was like man i can travel and take photos and eventually somebody will actually pay for it that's 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 amazing i want to i could i could be open to doing this as a career but i didn't know the possibility of what i could do as a photographer i never even heard about it i never even like i i didn't know anybody in the industry i didn't know how it worked i didn't know that you could make money i didn't know that you could make a living uh, doing it. It was just like this ambiguous career that was out there. And eventually I connected with another photographer, uh, just to do some website updates for him a couple of a few months down the road and just started asking him questions about photography and cameras and what should, what should I do? And like all this stuff. And then eventually he just kind of invited me out to one of his photo shoots and, and let me come on, come and check it out. And then I kind of started helping him out here and there and just exploring my, own, and just kind of taking that creative journey. And, and at a certain point he was just like, you need to do this. You're you're a great graphic designer, but you're way more talented um, as a photographer. Oh. And so I just started, I just kept shooting, kept just, I was saying, it's like always be shooting because that's, and always be creating because that's, how you 're going to grow in your your artistic journey, so for me, it was all about just shooting my own stuff and building my portfolio until it got out there enough to be you know start getting hired for jobs and hustling every every other way that you can, you know like whether it 's small jobs, um, I was taking design jobs to pay the bills as I was making this transition mm-hmm. so that would that would be the uh the main story and then it's just been a, a, a slow growth and evolution from there and and honing my vision and and really developing my style and my point of view um with my photography. And I guess what I'm known for and and the style that's evolved is just capturing moments and whether that's shooting travel, whether that's shooting celebrities or fashion or portraits or anything across the board, I have a pretty specific point of view and a specific style at this point Mm -hmm. that's developed. Awesome.
1: Okay. So a ton of stuff here. Uh, you know I, I want to go back to something that you said at the very beginning, and this is something i've asked a lot of people uh and i've never quite gotten to the bottom of this and i 'm not sure I ever will but uh it's always met, led for an interesting convers like made for an interesting conversation you know you you talked about um uh, drawing at a very very young age, and it seems like you kind of connected with this creative calling at an early age uh and recognized that hey, you know what there's something here. And I feel like as adults, we lose touch with that Uh, as we we get, you know, through our lives, we become more practical. And I feel like everybody has that thing um, that they wonder about. And somehow because they've lost touch with it, it kind of starts to die or wither uh, or it becomes dormant. It's not dead, Mm. but it's dormant. And, you know, based on, on the experiences you've had, I mean, how do you how do you think you reconnect with that?
3: yeah I mean, I think that it's it's really a proactive effort in in going back to the analog system and going back to the original state of of creating i mean for me, going back to it now, I think try doing this hundred day project and like the hand drawing of typography kind of blends my original um love for drawing and, and, and painting, but also my fascination and passion for typography and design and bringing that back. And like, just, you know, now it's been, I've been doing it every day and it's bringing out that pen and paper. It's like one little step every time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think the, I think the catalyst was, uh, was doing this hundred day project and, and kind of actually pushing myself out of that comfort zone into picking up the pen and paper and doing it. And I, I think to get back to that, it it really takes a conscious effort. Mm-hmm. And, you know, same with the photography, it's like going back and shooting film and everything is so digital now, you know, for my personal projects, I actually go back and I'll shoot, I'll, I'll do a full shoot on film here and there just to kind of, it's a different method of shooting. It's, it's more analog. It makes you think in, in a different way and I think that's the beauty of going back to that, that original art form.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's interesting you bring up analog because I think Amber, uh, who was the one who connected both of us, is the one who kind of convinced me of the virtues of pen and paper in a digital world. Uh, and I found that, that that dramatically changed my entire creative process uh, for how I write, how I think about ideas, uh, and everything else. But the, the other sort of theme I'm hearing as you describe that is curiosity. Uh, Mm. It's a a combination of curiosity and habit uh, that I feel leads to sort of discovering the things that we've been searching for.
3: Yeah, I think it's it's, the first thing is to spark that curiosity because we get, I mean, I know for myself, I get so in in the digital trance, Mm -hmm. so to speak, and like the ease and the kind of it's just so much easier to like jump in and do like write an email, you know, type it out or write something, you know, I use like text editor or whatever, but just type something out versus grabbing a pen and writing it, you know. And I think doing this hand-drawn typography has really kind of pushed me into a different side of flow mm-hmm. and 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 it's kind of helped me to just tap into thinking about things differently in within the creative process.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, let's do this. Um, talk to me about, sort of, uh, in more depth, um, the design training uh, that you've gotten. I mean, and that part of your life and how, how that has sort of influenced your entire creative journey and, and you know, the challenges that you faced and, uh, and, and lessons that you've brought from that time and, and kind of how it's taught you to see the world. Like, what, what perspectives has it
3: brought? Yeah. I mean, I would say design is probably the biggest influence that I've had in my life. And I definitely appreciate that I, that was my first career because now it's had a tremendous difference. It's made a tremendous difference in my career, my photography career and the way I think about things. And like, I, I feel like design is such an approach to everything now and design and, and life and business. And I mean, there, there's courses on design thinking for business now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have to stand out in such a busy world and in a digitally clogged world. So for me going back, I would say probably the struggles was like learning, you know, that was the first entry into my creative entrepreneurship and um, being able to, pay the bills and make a living. I mean, I would say that was my, those are my biggest struggles. I mean, there's, I heard this, this quote where it's like, you're never, you'll, you'll never become a successful creative entrepreneur unless you've cooked breakfast from bed. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and I love that because, you know, it's, it's true, like a starving artist, you know, when you're starting out, you're really, everything goes back into your business, everything goes back into your art. And if you're not willing to make that sacrifice, it's really hard to get to the space of success. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have done that. I lived in Paris for six months and I lived in an apartment where I could literally sit on my bed and cook breakfast. And, you know, I, I lived there to experience and to take it all in and to enjoy and and live in another country and cuz i i feel like part of the process part of the creative process is what you take in mm-hmm. and what you experience in life and you know for me it's it, uh, travel is a big part of that travel has been a big passion of mine which pushes me out of my comfort zone you know experiencing new things experiencing new cultures has put me out of my comfort zone and i think that's why i thrive on it Mm-hmm. Is, is because it, it inspires my creative process um, by experiencing it.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I love that you brought up, you know, a big part of the creative process is what you take in. Uh, that, to me, is, is one of those things. I think that it's really easy to sort of, you know, we're talking about sort of the digital world we live in, is to consume endlessly the same kind of thing. Uh, but I think, that you know, the world around us is constantly giving us opportunities to, to take in things. Like, there's this entire sensory input. And I think as an artist, I mean, really what you're doing is translating sensory input uh in, into multiple forms. And and that's something that I, I think I think that you have to slow down in order to really take in what's around you.
3: Yeah. I mean it it really is. And sometimes so many times we get stuck in the A to B and not it what's that quote where it's like just stop and smell the roses mm-hmm. <laughs> and take time for that. And I'm I've been I would say in my last couple of years I've been slowly learning how to do that and, and actually to make an effort, a conscious effort. There's so many conscious shifts that have to happen Mm -hmm. in, um, in making these efforts. It's it's almost the same shift as wanting to experiment back with analog is to, it's, you have to think about it. You have to become aware of it mentally and be, and be present. You know, you have to make love with the present moment and that takes a conscious effort, you know, to experience the things that are going on around you and really take it in and it's funny as a photographer i sometimes i find myself in those moments stepping back from being present and being behind the camera and capturing what's happening so there is this balance of living in the moment and then capturing the moment which mm-hmm. is fascinating yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in quite
1: a bit more detail because uh, you know I want to spend probably the majority of our time talking about your photography, but uh, you know I want to ask you a few other questions uh, around sort of your choices and and you know uh, molding moments in your life. Uh, you you know you mentioned that at a certain point you you know were learning more at your job than you were at school, and school started to sort of be put on the back burner and you know you were speaking of, of being conscious of things i think that's a very conscious choice to make uh and i guess for me the question becomes how do you recognize uh, those kinds of moments in your life that hey you know what a door about is about to open here or a window into possibility has just opened up
3: yeah i i think it's kind of following your intuition and i th- I, th- I feel like this day and age you know when i made my transition into Uh, photography from design, I never really, I was just like, I can do this. I don't need to go to school. I can, you know, I, there was some sort of thing. I think it was because I was already doing graphic design, which is already, it was already a creative entrepreneurial um, career that I I think making the jump from full-time to, uh, freelance in that respect was a lot harder than making the transition from graphic design to photography. Mm-hmm. And I've just seen so many of the the mentors and different people uh, that I was working with never went to school for photography. And I was meeting all these people that were successful that that school wasn't even, they teach you all the same things. I mean, you look at places like uh brooks institute mm-hmm. and and I look at a lot of the portfolios of students that come out of there, and it's all the same you know they're they're put within a certain structure and it, and a set of rules and I feel like jumping out into the world on your own um you're not playing within a set of rules, so you're kind of paving your own path mm-hmm. and I feel like if you're if you're following your intuition and your authenticity. Then you're gonna, if if you follow that road and you work hard and you hustle and you develop and you cultivate that talent, and you refine what you have, then you're gonna create your own unique voice.
1: Yeah, you know I really appreciate that. It's it's uh it's interesting you brought up that you know sort of uh, looking at you know what comes out of an institute like Brooks where people are put into sort of a box with a set of rules, and I, I mean I it's funny because I think that we do that when we see other people who are successful too, right? Uh, you see somebody who has what you want and you think that you can get it by replicating what they've done. And yet you forget that, Hey, by the way, it worked for them because they're them. Like if I tried to replicate what you do, Nick, I don't think I would have the same result. I think it would be, you know, if I tried to follow your sort of formula to the letter, things wouldn't turn out very well for me.
3: Exactly. And, and I feel like there's this whole, um, it's really about closing the ta- closing the gap between your taste and what you're actually producing mm-hmm. as an artist. And, you know, there, I, I do believe that imitation is part of the creative process, but in, in the infancy stages, when you're admiring and you're, and you're trying to kind of actually discover who you are, because if there's, there's an exercise that I, I, I do all the time and I, that I give to other people is that, you know, look at good work, whatever, whatever, creative, um, uh, path you were on, whether it's an illustrator, a photographer or anything, look at good work that's out there and then start curating what's, what you're attracted to, you know, go through magazines, pull out tears of, of what inspires you and then start looking through it, start breaking down the work and really writing down what you like about that image or that illustration or that style. Mm Mm-hmm. And then start integrating it into your own work, but you know, then you're going to start a framework of being being able to put your own twist yeah. onto what you're doing, and that's really where your your unique voice comes from. Yeah, I love this
1: idea of closing the gap between your taste and what you're producing. That's that's I've never heard it put that way before, but I really like it. I mean, we may end up titling the interview that, but uh, you know, it's interesting because I always say you know, advice is ingredients, but the recipe is yours, and I think that we forget that 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 second part far too often
3: yeah totally and i mean and that all comes from the stuff that we're taking in the stuff that we're experiencing and i feel like the more as an artist that you can experience the more you're going to have to bring into your own work and your own style and your own point of view Mm -hmm. but that takes you know it's a journey and it takes years i mean i've been on this journey for quite a while like five doing photography for since africa was like eight years oh wow yeah. I mean, I probably went full-time photography five years ago. Or I wasn't taking any other design jobs and small assisting jobs. And, you know, my style's refining and refining and refining. And now it's, you know, I'm still working on what's that point of view? What's that, what's that really, really unique space that people are going to take? It's going to take my profile and my, um, my brand to the next level. Mm-hmm.
2: Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. So
1: yeah, I actually do want to spend quite a bit of time talking about point of view, but I want to ask you, you know, one other thing, you're about up eight years. And uh, this is a question that came up for me when I was having dinner with one of our listeners the other night. And he said, you know, I'm seven months into this. And he says, you know, and I just can't help but think, is this all just bullshit? Like nobody listens uh, or, you know, it, yeah, I'm, I mean, it was, it, was, it was one of those moments you could tell that he was wondering whether he was wasting his time or not. And the question he asked me is the question I'm going to ask you is how do you keep
3: going Woo. that's a good one. And I would say the answer is just vision and I'm not satisfied yet. Like there's so many things out there that I I have yet to shoot and close the gap between what I'm seeing and what I want and what I'm producing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that gap and closing like the the desire to close that gap is what keeps me going, you know? And I think in the end you have to love the craft for what it is and why it has to be your why otherwise if you if you want to do art because of the lifestyle if you want to be you know because it's like could be glamorous to be a photographer or glamorous to i mean it is glamorous to make a living as an artist but it is one of the hardest things to do mm-hmm. and you know marrying art and commerce is one of is the magic question. How do you make money doing your art? <laughs> yeah. and, and how do you carve that point of view and get people to come to you? You know, you have to be able to, it's like juggling a bunch of balls in the air where you have, you know, you're really building your portfolio to like where, you know, your taste, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're going for that, but you also got to like take the jobs that are just money. Mm -hmm. and pay your bills while you're focusing on on those jobs so i think that the idea is to you know it's it's more money less time so that you can spend that time on pursuing your creative vision so in the end it, it really is like you have to be driven by the by actually doing the craft and doing the art and and that's what has to drive you
1: yeah you you know it's interesting you bring up uh bridging the gap and i i you know one of the things I said is that you never stop bridging the gap right because when you do bridge the gap, what you realize is that what you were looking at was a false horizon uh because you know when you get to uh, you know my guess is where you were five years ago and where you're at today you've bridged that gap, but now there's another gap to be
3: bridged exactly it's just going to keep going and going. <clears throat> which I think is the beauty, the beauty of it, and that's what keeps you going or keeps me going in that sense. And uh, as you get older, as you go through the journey, you're actually, your taste actually refines, and the more your taste refines, that's where, you're, that's where it's growing. Mm-hmm. So, so let me ask you one other thing. Uh, this came to my mind because I,
1: I saw somebody uh, with a project that hit a major brick wall uh, and just felt demolished and defeated. And I'm curious about the brick walls that you've hit, uh, on your journey.
3: Yeah. I mean, I feel like uh, whether they're brick walls or plateaus, um, you know, I, I think it's, you kind of got to weigh it out and see if it's going anywhere. And there was, there was a book, was it, was it the dip I think by Seth Godin where it's like you, when you hit the certain point, you got to re realize whether it's, you know, a failure or whether it's something to keep pursuing. And, um, it's, it's kind of like, maybe it's kind of like the, uh, like American idol, <laughs> you know, if enough people just say like, this is not for you, then maybe you should listen. But, you know, also, you got to figure out what resonates for you as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like results and feedback, you know, if you seek feedback, that's what's going to help you help guide your path. Mm-hmm. So, uh,
1: you know, before we we start talking all, uh, about photography in a bit more depth, um, I want to ask you one other thing. You seem to continually be uh, always at a crossroads. You know, at, and I'm sure you probably read this article on Medium by El Luna called "The Crossroads of Should and Must." Uh, which I'll link up in the the show notes uh, for those of you guys listening. But in case you haven't, it was about the idea that, you know, you'll keep reaching this crossroad where there's the thing you should do and the thing you just must do, like you can't not do it. And it seems like you continually chose must. And what I'm curious about is what do you think it is that distinguishes people who choose what they should do from the ones who choose what they must do?
3: Yeah, you know, it's funny because my must is creative resonance. And something that it's funny talking to Amber about, and we kind of really just discovered that that's my why. And it's kind of that high feeling of A, two things being inspired by something, but also creating something that you're proud of and that's inspiring to the world. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the difference between should and must is the difference between uh, living in your head and living in your heart. And yeah, it's the synchronicity. Cause when you're, when you're operating from your, your must and your heart, you're really, you're really going down that path of it, not thinking Mm. in a certain sense (laughs) and just, and, and operating in that state of flow. Uh, when you're, when you're in that, must state, you're just doing it because you love it. You're doing the art because you love it, not because it's a glamorous lifestyle, mm-hmm. not because you're a rock star on stage. You're doing it because you actually love to play music. You actually love to paint. You actually love to take photographs, mm-hmm. you know, versus, oh, I should do that. I should do this because I'll be able to make money someday or I'll be able to be in front of people. I I feel like when you're doing your work from the heart, it's, it's, that's your must.
1: I love that. I think you just have come up with a title for your interview.
3: <laughs> the
1: difference <laughs> Second title. The, yeah. I mean, you you know, I, I love this. You keep dropping these poetic bombs. Uh, well, let's do this. Let's shift gears a little bit and uh, let's start talking uh, about photography. I mean, the thing that you have brought up over and over is developing a point of view, which I really, really appreciate. And I want to talk about Sort of, you know, how you view the world through the lens of a, you know, through the, through the lens. I mean, as, as a photographer, like when you said, you know, your thing is about capturing moments, uh, talk to us about that whole process and, and, you know, how does that apply regardless of what art form? I mean, cause the reason I brought you here is I felt that regardless of what our art is, there would be something to learn from how you approach photography.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would say that, that that's something that's kind of evolved after over just shooting and shooting and shooting. And, and it's a practice that it's been a, something that's been consistent that that's been carried out through my work and something that I'm drawn to. I mean, whether I'm in Nepal hiking the Everest base camp trail and, and running into little kids running around and, there's moments that are happening there's a there's a feeling that's happening that 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 I'm drawn to that inspires me that that I that I find within that and that translates across the board into when I'm doing um when I'm doing say like a lifestyle shoot where I always have to actually create those moments and create that authenticity by setting it up and directing it Mm-hmm. so it's there is this line and but it's it's the end image of that it's that authenticity when you look at the image and you feel like you're there or you feel like you're feeling that moment that that person is experiencing or you're feeling that breathtaking moment of a beautiful landscape or somebody doing something in that landscape there's a moment there's a thing of resonance that you that you feel when you look at those photographs and that's what I'm drawn to so when I'm looking and I'm finding things that's my that's my point of view Mm -hmm. you know a lot of it tends to be finding the joy in the world you know and everywhere I go there's something that I'm drawn to just smiles and energy and movement and that's where it comes from it comes from the things that I'm attracted to, the things that I, I'm drawn to when I'm roaming around. Mm-hmm. So let,
1: let's talk about uh, two things here. One is is how, how we find our own creative resonance. And uh, the other thing I want to talk about is kind of how your eye has evolved from when you first started shooting in Africa and the kinds of things you would see there to,
3: to today. Yeah, the how do you find your creative resonance? I think is really listening to your intuition and going after the things that you're attracted to. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it's really about finding your inspiration and finding and, and diving deeper into that. If you find something that is inspiring to you, dive further. What, what is it about that that inspires you? And I feel like you'll, you'll at a certain point, find patterns within that and you'll find patterns. It's kind of the same thing as, as looking through art and work and photos that inspire you as well, Is you're going to find something that resonates within each of those photographs, whether it's the, the lighting, the clothing, the moments. And I feel like finding that stuff for yourself is, is really about diving into it and taking it further and, and asking what about that moment or, experience or culture or location or what is it that you're drawn to. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the first step. And then the second step is just finding out, you know, creating, you know, as a creative, what do you love to create? I mean, some people, their creativity is business. Um I have a I have a good friend uh Lewis Howes who's, you know, his creativity is figuring out is creating new business endeavors. You know, so creativity can and resonance resonance can come from any anything, you know, but I th- I do feel like it comes from that space of creation, you know, making something from nothing. Mhm uh and what was the second part of the question again so
1: the second part is kind of uh how your you know eye has evolved as you know from when you started shooting in Africa uh to to now I mean sort of the evolution and growth that you've experienced as a photographer uh and, and you know how things have changed when you look through a lens now versus then
3: yeah I mean the things that I was seeing back then it was more like Trying to just capture what I was seeing, and there wasn't any sort of frame or context. And now I'm. It evolved to seeing more moments and composing moments within a frame. And I feel like I did a uh, another trip like three years after that in Asia, and I saw a huge growth in my in my travel work in that sense, where I was getting a lot of stronger image stronger images um from the amount of stuff that i was shooting Mm -hmm. and i was just seeing more moments happening i was anticipating moments that were happening you know my eye was being my eye and my mind were being trained from that in between time of just like shooting and shooting and shooting the more you shoot the more you're going to see and as a photographer you're you're making a thousand decisions within a split second of a Shutter click mm-hmm. and so it's refining all those little decisions that go into that, and I have this thing I wrote a blog post about it a while ago called Expanding your default and it's almost like creating your uh pushing your conscious habits into your subconscious so that your arsenal becomes a bigger. Uh, bigger bag of tricks, so to speak. <laughs> and so, but those, those only happen through conscious intention of, of repetition. So when you're shooting, when I'm shooting, if there's something that I'm like pushing myself to do and to learn and a different angle or whatever it is, it's, it's remembering that in the moment mm-hmm. so that I can, you know, and the more times that I consciously remember that, the the more whatever maybe it's twenty one days or twenty one times that it becomes a subconscious habit, mm-hmm. and the the more you push into your subconscious bag of trip tricks, your default, the more you're going to grow, and the more you'll be able to expand upon that. And I feel like that's you know that's a lot of where I've, refi- I've refined is the stuff that I was like pushing myself to grow and to learn in that first Africa trip. You know, that's all just. Not knowing like how to use a camera now, that I was like learning how to use a camera and like what shutter speed was and what you know all that stuff is now subconscious. Mm -hmm. All that stuff is now I don't even think about it; it's just second nature.
1: You know, it's really interesting how you brought up this idea of expanding your default. And it's interesting that after looking through a lens for a certain amount of time, you see things that you didn't see before. Uh, and I always say that, you know, it's like any journey with each step forward, the view starts to change.
3: Yeah, it's true. And, and your default becomes subconscious so that when you're pushing yourself to grow, you're pushing yourself to see more things. You're, you know, for me now it's pushing myself to see more narrative within one frame. Mm -hmm. And how do you create that narrative? How do you add more things within that frame to tell more of a deeper story, you know, that's, that's my next, I would say that's my next level of, of growth and, and plateau on the journey is to, uh, bring more of those elements into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, sorry. I,
3: I don't know if you had more. No. Okay.
1: Uh, I actually do want to dig a little deeper into this idea of expanding your default, because I think that this is about much more than, uh, just creativity. I think this is about life and I'm, Thinking, you know as I'm thinking about it and listening to you talk about it I'm, I'm wondering you know how do you apply this to your life even if I'm not a photographer or I'm not an artist I feel there's something that can be done in terms of expanding our default
3: yeah completely i mean i've it's funny because I've been doing this um uh, emotional intelligence and leadership training over the last year out in l a and it's really actually made me more of aware, aware of consciousness and awareness of a emotions and and that translates directly into creativity because, you know, as artists, our vision and our product is our, uh, who we are. So as a creative entrepreneur, when things go up and down or feast or famine, you know, our self-worth and value a lot of times gets, uh, placed into an emotional state. And, you know, we have to like learn how to separate ourselves from that. So, Be becoming aware of, of things and, you know, creating those conscious habits of whatever it is. I mean, for me, a lot of that outside of art has been emotionally and learning how to create conscious shifts in my life as a habit, like building those habits so that they become subconscious. Mm -hmm. And I think... Going with that, it, it, and it translates into this 100-day project thing, too, and the habits that, you know, doing, being repetitious about things after a while becomes second nature. And I think it can translate into anything we want to accomplish in life, life life hacking and and creating different habits, you know, to progress our lives and for personal development for exercise, you know, mm-hmm. I, it was the the last podcast we were just talking about that you, that I was listening to of yours, where it's like even just stepping into the gym, <laughs> not even working out, if you do that every day, pretty soon you're going to be like, well, I have to work out. Mm-hmm. And then working out has become when you don't do it, that this, that's how working out was for me. Is like, I hated working out. And then I started, I created a program that fits my lifestyle to where it, it takes me 25 minutes a day. I do, I can do it four to five days a week in my house and I can listen to a podcast while I'm doing it. And now it's second nature. Now it's like, it feels weird not to work out. Mm -hmm. So creating habits is just like doing it little by little every day. And then it gets pushed to the subconscious. It gets pushed to your default.
1: Yeah. I love that. Um, it's so true, especially the workout example. It's so funny you're saying that. As, I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking, I, you know, I, I got myself a gym membership because I, I can't surf every day just because the, the waves aren't good uh, every single day. And I was amazed because I hated it the first day. I hated it the second day. I hated it on the third day. Uh, and then I think by day six or seven, I would get to around 4 o'clock in the afternoon and I would say, you know, I don't
3: want to go. And somehow it would still end up there. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that's that's kind of how it is. And there's still certain days where you're like, "Oh, I just don't want to do this, but then you just like, no, I can't. I I have to do it. Like I I can't not do it <laughs> because yeah. I've I've been doing it I've created a habit."
1: Well, let's uh let's do this. Let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about uh point of view. Uh you know, that's something you brought up earlier and it, it's interesting because uh you know, I, I've never thought about photography in that way until talking to you. But I realize now everybody seems to have a very distinctive point of view. Uh, they they see things in a certain way. And I guess for me, the question really is on how you, how you develop a point of view and how you cultivate a point of view. I mean, you know, I do it as an interviewer. There are people who are listening who probably do it as artists. There are others who do it as writers. And I'm really curious how you train and cultivate point of view.
3: Hmm. It's a great question. I, I would say it's just by practicing the craft and exploring yourself as an artist without the editor and constantly practicing and constantly developing. For me, it's just kind of something that's evolved. And then eventually you see like kind of that DNA that you carry your attributes, you know, like your attributes start to develop your your consistencies and your patterns start to develop across your work. And then eventually it starts to evolve in a point of view. And then eventually I feel like you can start to depict what that point of view is and start to articulate it. But I think it takes it takes years. Mm-hmm. I, you know, when you're first starting out, you're just like exploring and you're exploring all these different directions and trying different things. And, you know, I still do that, but my process is you or my, the range of what I love and what I'm attracted to is, is much more refined and much more becoming a point of view. Whereas when I was first starting, I was like, Oh, I'll try this or I'll try this light. or I'll try this shooting this. Well, I didn't really like that. That wasn't, that didn't really resonate with me, Mm -hmm. but I tried it. You know, I feel like it's, that's part of closing the gap is, is trying different things. And now it's kind of taking the DNA and the the style and, and the point of view that I've created it and really pushing that to the next level and, and more refining it, you know, for me, it's captured moments for me. It's, you know, joy and, and fun and, and positivity, you know, but there's still other elements that I'm, I'm trying to discover that I can integrate into that point of view mm. that I, that I am attracted to. And, and I feel like it's going to evolve, you know? Uh, as I go on and I'm inspired by different things in my life, the point of view is going to, going to evolve, but it's getting stronger and it's getting stronger. Um, visually, I would say, especially as a photographer, um, things are, it's definitely taking on more of a refined sense. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, I, I really appreciate that you brought up mastery of a craft. Uh, I think that we live in such a hyper connected and fast paced world that we're not patient when it comes to mastery of the craft, uh, in any art form, we want everything to be perfect. Uh, right after we start, uh, we want all the rewards that come with success right after we
3: start. (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, I'm probably one of the most impatient people. And (laughs) for me, that's probably been the hardest thing throughout the journey and You know, even one of my mentors through the first couple of years was just like, be patient. You know, you're on the right track. You just got to keep going Mm -hmm. and keep doing it and keep doing it. And, you know, the only thing that gets you through that is the actual love of the craft. Yeah. Because if you don't love it, then you're just not going to go through the sacrifices and, and go through the patience, you know, that it takes to get through those years because you have to put in the hard work, you have to put in those 10,000 hours of practice and getting through it. And there's no, I I don't think there's any hacks to that. You know, like nowadays in the digital world, we're lucky enough to, that our learning um, curve and speed is a lot faster because we have such fast um, feedback rates. You know, you can take a photo on a digital camera and look at it and figure out what you did wrong with it. And like, adjust and adjust and adjust. Whereas back in the film days, it was like, okay, I couldn't even imagine doing (laughs) like that, that. Like I started in the digital era. So learning how to do it by film would have taken so much longer because, you know, you shoot a photo, you shoot a roll of film and you take it to get developed. And then you have to actually remember what you did. And according to that one shot on that one roll of film and then assess like, okay, what did I, how do I close the gap on this photo or this exposure or whatever it is. Now we're lucky enough to be able to do it in an instant. Mm -hmm. So I feel like taking it, um, so that that's, that's what's helping us now, but it's also creating a whole world of noise that you have to stand out against. So there's two sides of the spectrum, you know, there's more photographers, there's more, which creates more competition, higher learning curve, but we also have the benefits of, of learning faster ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that makes uh, a perfect sort of wrap to our conversation and what I want to close with, uh, which is something that I've asked lots of people. And it'll be interesting to hear your perspective as somebody who has, you know, sort of viewed your world through the lens of a camera. Uh, you know, our show is called The Unmistakable Creative. and as you said, we live in probably one of the noisiest times, uh, in history. And and in my mind, if you want to be creative, I think being unmistakable is, is not an option, but a necessity. And I am really curious, uh, what it is that you think makes somebody or something unmistakable.
3: Yeah, I would say a, it's point of view and B, your brand, but it's kind of goes hand in hand. I mean, your brand is, uh, an example of what your point of view is to the world, but you know, that's kind of where my background in design really comes out is, is the branding. I mean, you have to be well branded in this world to stand out and you have to have a strong point of view, um, to stand out as well. And that's what people are going to come to you for.
1: Well, I love it. Uh, Nick, this has been you know, absolutely fabulous as I expected it would be. I've learned a ton talking to you, and uh, I really, really appreciate you coming and, and taking the time to join us and share some of your insights with our listeners at The Unmistakable Creative.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah,
1: and uh, for those of you guys listening, we'll wrap the show with that. You've been listening to The Unmistakable Creative Podcast visit our website at unmistakablecreative.com and get access to over 400 interviews in our archives.
4: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.
3: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
0: Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide, it's a deep exploration Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The 4 Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash 4keys. Use the number 4, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash 4keys and download your free copy.